The phenomenon of media and its impact on politics today is great and there is much debate about its positive and negative effects. In my opinion, however, a free media is actually very vital and it's a vital feature for a healthy democracy to flourish and it can play an essential role in holding governments to account. But arguably there are a lot of concerns about the role of media in politics. With new forms of the media, it has become increasingly difficult to distinguish between fact and fiction. This has also been dubbed the post-truth era. Author of the book Sapiens, Yuval Noah Hariri and historian, claims that shared fictions in the forms of religion, news, novels, sports, money, even brands, fill our lives, but that's okay. It's these shared beliefs that have helped humans cooperate and conquer the planet. So we are repeatedly told these days that we have entered the terrifying new era of post-truth in which not just particular facts, but entire histories might be faked. But is this era of post-truth real? And when exactly was the Halcon Age of Truth? So when was it at its peak? And what triggered our transition into the post-truth era? Was it the internet? Was it social media? Was it the rise of extremists like Putin? Or was it Trump? Yuval Noah Hariri, author of Sapiens and Historian, claims that shared fictions in the form of news, religions, novels, sports, money, even brands fill our lives, but that is okay. It's these shared beliefs that have helped humans cooperate and conquer the planet. A look at history reveals that propaganda and disinformation are nothing new. In fact, humans have always lived in the age of post-truth. Homo sapiens is a post-truth species who have conquered this planet thanks above to all the unique human ability to create and spread fictions. We are the only mammals that can cooperate with numerous strangers because we can invent fictional stories and spread them around and convince millions of others to believe in them. As long as everybody believes in the same fictions, we are all to obey the same laws and therefore can cooperate effectively. Yuval Noah Hariri also claims that he is not denying the effectiveness or potential benevolence of religion. It's actually just the opposite. Fiction is amongst the most effective tools in humanity's toolkit. Centuries ago, millions of Christians locked themselves up in a self-reinforcing mythological bubble, never really daring to question the factual veracity of the Bible, while millions of Muslims put their unquestioning faith in the Quran. We have zero scientific evidence that Eve was actually tempted by the serpent, that the souls of infidels burn in hell after they die, or that the creator of the universe doesn't like it when Brahmins marry a Dalit. Yet billions of people have believed these stories for thousands of years. So therefore, some fake news can actually last forever. I am aware that many people might be upset by my equating religion with fake news, but that is exactly the point. When a thousand of people believe in some made-up story for a month, that is fake news. When a billion people believe it for a thousand of years, that's a religion. And we are admonished to call it fake news in order not to hurt the feelings or the faithful or incur their wrath. Please note that I am not denying the effectiveness or potential benevolence of religion. 
like no value Hariri said for better or worse fiction is among the most most effective tool in humanity's toolkit by bringing people together religion creeds make large-scale human cooperation possible they inspire people to build hospitals schools and bridges in addition to armies and prisons Much of the Bible may be fictional, but I can still bring joy to billions of people, and that can still encourage humans to be compassionate, courageous, and creative, just like other works of fiction, like Harry Potter. Again, if you might be offended by my comparison of the Bible to Harry Potter, if you're scientifically a Christian, um, you may argue that the holy book was never actually meant to be read as a factual account, but rather as a metaphorical story containing deep wisdom. But isn't that the true story of Harry Potter as well? Ancient religion have ancient religions have not been the only ones to use fiction to cement cooperation. More recently, each nation has created its own national mythology. Of course, not all religions have and myths have been beneficent. On August 29th, 1255, the body of a nine-year-old English boy called Hugh was found in a well in the town of Lincoln. Rumour spread really quickly that Hugh had been ritually murdered by the local Jews. The story only grew with retelling and one of the most renowned English chronicles of the day, Matthew Paris, provided a detailed and gory description of how the prominent Jews from throughout England had gathered in Lincoln to fatten up and torture and finally crucify this abandoned child. 19 Jews were actually tried and executed for this alleged murder. Similar blood libels became popular in other English towns leading to a series of pogroms in which the Jewish communities were massacred. Eventually, in 1290, the entire Jewish population of England was expelled. The story doesn't end there. A century of after the expulsion of the Jews, Geoffrey Chaucer, included in a blood libel, modelled the story of Hugh in Lincoln in the Canterbury Tales. The tale culminates with the hanging of the Jews. Similar blood libel subsequently became a staple of every single anti-Semitic movement from late medieval Spain to modern Russia. Hugh of Lincoln was buried in Lincoln Cathedral and venerated as a saint. He was reputed to perform various miracles and his tomb continued to draw pilgrims even after centuries after the expulsion of all Jews from England. Only in 1955, 10 years after the Holocaust, did Lincoln Cathedral repudiate the blood libel story, placing a plaque near Hugh's tomb that reads, Trumped up stories of ritual murders of Christian boys by Jewish communities were common throughout Europe during the Middle Ages and even much later. These fictions cost many innocent Jews their lives. Lincoln had its own legend and the alleged victim was buried in the cathedral in the year 1255. Such stories do not redound to credit of Christendom. Well, some fake news only lasts 700 years. Ancient religions have not been the only ones to use fiction to cement cooperation. In more recent times, each nation has created its own mythology. While movements such as communism, fascism and liberalism fashioned elaborate self-reinforced credos. Joseph Goebbels, the Nazi propaganda maestro, allegedly explained that his method, thus, quote, a lie told once remains a lie, but a lie told a thousand times becomes the truth in Mein Kampf. 
Hitler also wrote in his book Mein Kampf, the most brilliant propagandist technique will yield no success unless the fundamental principle is born in mind. And constantly, it must confine itself to a few points and repeat them over and over. Can any present-day fake news repeat that over and over? Commercial films also rely on the fiction and fake news. Branding often involves retelling the same fictional story again and again until people become convinced that it is the truth. What image comes to mind when you think of Coca-Cola? Do you think about healthy young people engaging in sports and having fun together? Or do you think about overweight diabetes patients lying in a hospital bed? Drinking Coca-Cola will not make you young, will not make you healthy, and will not make you athletic. Yet, it will increase your chances of dying from obesity and diabetes. Yet, for decades, Coca-Cola has invested billions of dollars in linking itself to youth, health, and sports, and billions of humans subconsciously believe in this linkage. The truth is, truth has never been high on the agenda of Homo sapiens. If you stick it to unloyal reality, few people will follow you. False stories have an intrinsic advantage over the truth when it comes to uniting people. If you want to gorge group loyalty, requiring people to believe in an absurdity is far better is a far better test than requiring them to believe in the truth. If the chief says the sun rises in the west and sets in the east, only true loyalists will clap their hands. Similarly, if all your neighbors believe in the same outrageous tale, you can count on them to stand together in times of crisis. If they are willing to believe only accredited facts, what does that prove? You might argue that in some cases it is possible to organize people effectively through the consensual agreement rather than through fictions. In the economic sphere, money and corporations bind together and they bind people far more effectively than any god or holy book, even though it is just a human convention. In the case of a holy book, a true believer would say, I believe that the book is sacred. While in the case of a dollar, a true believer would say, I believe that other people believe that the dollar is valuable. It is obvious that the dollar is just a human creation, yet people all over the world respect it. If so, why can't humans abandon all myths and fictions and organize themselves on the basis of consensual conventions such as the dollar? Yet the difference between holy books and money is far smaller than it might seem. When most people see a dollar bill, they forget that it is just a human convention. As they see the green piece of paper with a picture of a dead white man, they see it as something valuable and of itself. They hardly ever remind themselves, actually, this is a worthless piece of intrinsic paper. But because other people view it as valuable, I can make use of it. If you observed a human brain with an fMRI scanner, you would be able to see that as someone is presented with a suitcase full of $100 bills, the parts of the brain start buzzing with excitement. And it's not skeptical, but it's the greedy parts of the brain. Conversely, in the vast majorities of cases, people begin to sanctify the Bible or the Vedas only after long and repeated exposure to others who have viewed it as sacred. We learn to respect holy books in exactly the same way we learn to respect paper currency. For this reason, there is no strict division in practice between knowing that something is just a human convention and believing something is inherently valuable. In many cases, people are 
definitely ambiguous or forgetful about this division. To give another example, in deep philosophical discussion about it, almost everybody would agree that corporations and fictional stories created by human beings are just there. Microsoft isn't the buildings of its own, the people it employs or the shareholders it serves. Rather, it is an intricate legal fiction woven by lawyers and lawmakers. Yet 99% of the time we aren't engaged in the deep political and philosophical discussions, yet we treat corporations like such as if they are entities or real entities, just like tigers or humans. Blurring the line between fiction and reality can be done for many purposes, starting with having fun and going all the way to survival. You cannot play games or read novels unless you suspend disbelief. To really enjoy soccer, you have to accept the rules and forget for at least 90 minutes that they are merely human inventions. If you don't, you will think it's utterly ridiculous for 22 people to be running around after a ball. Soccer might just begin with having fun, but it can incur far more serious things, as many English and hooligans or Argentinian nationalists will attest. Soccer can help formulate personal identities, it can cement large-scale communities, and it can even provide reasons for violence. Humans have a remarkable ability to know and not know at the same time. Or more correctly, they can know something when they are really thinking about it, but most of the time, we don't think about it, so they don't know it. If you really focus, you realize that money is fiction, but you don't usually focus. If you are asked about it, you know that soccer is a human invention, but in the heat of the match, nobody would ask. If you devote the time and energy, you can discover nations are elaborate yarns, but in the midst of a war, you don't have the time and you don't have the energy. Truth and power can travel together only so far. Sooner or later, they go in their separate paths. If you want power at some point, you will have to spread fictions. If you want to know the truth about the world, at some point you will have to renounce power. You will have to admit things, for example, the sources of your own power, that, ang- that will anger allies, dishearten followers, or undermine social harmony. Scholars throughout history have faced this dilemma. Do they serve power or do they serve truth? Should they aim to unite people by making sure everybody believes in the same story? Or should they let people believe their own truth at the price of disunity? The most powerful establishments, whether of Christian priests, mandarins or communist ideologies, placed up unity above truth. That's why they were so powerful. As a species, humans prefer power to truth. We spend far more time and effort on trying to control the world than trying to understand it. And even when we try to understand it, we usually do so in hope that understanding the world will make it easier for us to control it. If you dream of a society in which truth reigns supreme and myths are ignored, you have little to expect from Homo sapiens. was far more philosophical than I intended it to be but I really enjoyed that and I love thinking about things in a bigger perspective and delving away from politics a little bit because this also does link to politics 100% it shows that our fictional stories and what we create links to everyday life and it is so embedded in human nature that of course it has an inherent impact on politics and how campaigns are run for example when Margaret Thatcher did her interview she 
she chose to have curtains behind her so the label was stuck with smart visuals and how that can influence or you know detect someone's vote is so interesting to look at and these analytical perspectives or these philosophical reasons behind human nature and how that influences politics is really really interesting